I said, I, I did not, my hands were occupied. Good morning. Yeah, see, I was really had this original message that was probably going to be the mes- best message you ever heard, but I was too busy chasing Pokemon, so I had to go, <clears throat> I'm kidding, Kyle. Um, I, did, I, ga- I did give this message uh, a couple weeks back um, as we kicked off the series Acts just a few weeks ago, and I, I wanted to, to, to share it with you guys this morning, because I think it's really important, um, and, and we'll kind of get to that in a second, but good morning, good to see you guys, always love coming out to Edgerton, I have my my cousin Adam with me, Adam uh, Freeman, he just graduated high school at, in Northeast Arkansas, a little school called Green County Tech, where I graduated as well, way, 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 way back. And um, Adam one day wants to maybe plant a church, and so I said, man, why don't you come hang out with me? I'm going to try to talk you out of it. So uh, I'm kidding, but letting him just kind of hang out with us a little bit, and uh, we're going to be at Shawnee tonight at 5 o'clock, and wanted to, it worked out great that I was at Edge, at the Edge this weekend. Um, it's been hot this summer. August the 6th, it's a couple Saturdays away, we're having a pool party at Shawnee at one of the big parks. You're welcome to come to that, right? Uh, I want to extend the invitation to our Edgerton families if you want to make the drive. Uh, it's a big old pool at one of the Shawnee parks. We got it rented out from 6.30 to 8.30 on a Saturday night. If you want to come and swim with us, that information's online, okay? Because I don't know it all because I'm a guy and I just do whatever my wife tells me. So, um, <clears throat> but that's a, it's a, the Kid City, uh, Shawnee Kid City's hosting that. And so if you guys want to come and participate... You're more than welcome to. Uh, I want to talk to you real quick about why, why we're going to study the book of Acts, why we've started studying the book of Acts. And if you will, it's, this stuff is on your insert. I think this is just really kind of important uh, things to, to note. Um, I think something that's got lost, I want to give you uh, three reasons. And one reason would be this, is that we need to understand our church history. And I don't know if this is something that you ever think about. And if you, like if I were to say, hey, what's the church history? Like, uh, would you be like, oh my gosh, I have never even considered that. I have no idea what you're even talking about, Matt. Or would you say, oh, I know, it's when that guy Martin Luther went and posted those, that thing on that Catholic church doors and broke. No, our church history goes way, way, way back, and it's recorded in the book of Acts. Did you ever think about that every first follower of Jesus was Jewish? And their worship on the weekend wasn't on a Sunday, it was on a Saturday, and they would go to temple as these Jesus followers to the, to the temple to worship. We got no, we, I, 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 what? Matt, you're totally confusing me, right? We go to church on Sundays, and that's our day of worship. I want us to understand over the next several weeks, because we're going to be in Acts for a while. There's no deadline on the book of Acts. We're just going to, like, we did, we're in chapter one still. We did two weeks of kind of end times thinking, and uh, Pastor Chris and Casey are going to start talking to us about the Holy Spirit that is kind of comes to life, is sent by God in Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in the book of Acts for a while. And we're going to discover in the book of Acts our church history. Here's a second reason that I think it's important to uh, study the book of Acts. Reason number two is to discover the attitudes, thoughts, and actions that, are, that the early church had that we have lost, forgotten, or ignored. The early church did certain things that we simply don't understand. We don't even think about, like, there are, the, the text is so much richer sometimes when we have a good understanding of our Jewish heritage and what those guys would have done and why they would have done it. And it just has gotten lost over time. Some things have been completely ignored. Like the Sabbath, oftentimes is completely ignored. The Sabbath is one of the commandments, you know that, right? Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Not, hey, now that there's a church, you can scratch the Sabbath off your lips. No, that's not... But we, we just kind of ignore certain things. We forget certain things. Those things we don't have a good understanding. We're going to begin to discover those things through the book of Acts. And reason number three, and this is the one that I'm going to focus on today, is to discover what a biblical church family looks like. A biblical church family. And I want to do that by first telling you a story. It's a story, actually, of a family 
here in Edgerton. Um, and uh, the, this family had three small kids. And as the kids grew up, it became really evident that this was going to be the family in town that all the other kids were going to come and hang out after school, right? Was anybody's house here the hangout house when you were a kid? Uh, several of you guys. Do you guys have a house that you went to? Do you guys like, hey, we always go to, like I went to my cousin Michael's house all the time, right? That was my only friend. I grew up in a town of 30 people called Lot, Arkansas. And when Michael's parents got divorced and he moved, I was like all alone. It was me and General Hospital through the summers, right? <laughs> Luke and Laura, you know, we go way back. You know, Asa on uh, Days of Our Lives. I mean, it's just a... Uh, I have to grow a beard and wear boots to kind of bring my masculinity back from all the soap opera days. <laughs> all right. Um, where was I talking about? Uh, family. Family. Um, but th- this family in Edgerton, was just, it was just going to be the place where the people came to hang out the kids. And the parents actually loved this because the parents wanted that for their kids. They wanted to know where their kids were, and they wanted to be the fun house. And so they would keep the cabinet stocked with all the goodies, the cheeses and the goldfish and the dips and the sodas and the pop and the Gatorade and all those things. So that when the kids come over, hey, guys, this is your cabinet. Eat whatever you want in here, right? And we want you here, right? And mom and dad begin to make observations, and they begin to observe that not every kid had the same story as their kid. Because this mom and dad was very intentional in their parenting. I mean, they were, they were uh, uh, faithful in their discipline. Like, they didn't let their kids do whatever they wanted to. They put on sometimes that hard hat of being a, a parent who's intentional and have to get in the corner for four hours. You're driving me crazy, right? Um, but they also, you know, would, were so intentional about loving their kids and honoring their kids and praising their kids and teaching their kids. And they would see these other kids come into their house that they loved and cared for, but they, they knew that when those kids go home, that they wouldn't get the same kind of treatment. Some of these kids were in homes where mom and dad were not in the same house, and mom and dad were still fine apart, but little Johnny might not be at their home every other week because he was one with one of his parents. They realized that some of the kids there went to homes where uh, mom and dad had some real issues, some with alcohol, some with drugs, and um, it, was, it was a it was a hard environment for a, for, a, for a little guy to, to be a part of, right? And the mom and dad was so concerned sometimes about um, making this observation of where kids were that are now in their house that they really began to intentionally tone back their public parenting while all the kids were over. So like when the neighborhood kids came over after school and their kids were there and neighborhood kids were there, they, they tried really intentionally not to love on their children like they might when no one else was around because they didn't want the other kids to feel left out or to go home and go, wow, my parents don't have it like his parents. You guys with me? And what happened over time was if you were to go to their house on a Tuesday afternoon, you wouldn't know whose kids were whose kids if it wasn't for the family pictures on the wall because everybody was treated the same. But after a while, the problem with that was this. The idea of family lost its punch for those kids. Now, both of those things are really good. And I'm going to kind of kind of lay the foundation for where I'm going today. These doors for the New City Church, whether it's Edgerton or Shawnee or our future location, they're always going to be open to the neighborhood. Always. Man, the neighborhood kids are welcome. If you're here today for the first, second, third time, fourth time, if you've been coming and you don't call this place home yet, you're just still checking us out, oh my gosh, do we love you here? Like, you got the same music that the family people got, right? You got the same donuts. We didn't lick the chocolate off yours, right? You, you're getting the same child. You're getting the same kid city downstairs. Like, we're going to put our best foot forward for everybody that comes into this place. 
But there's also certain things that we do for the family that we don't do for the neighborhood. Casey, kind of, I didn't even know this going on in July, and I just been taking care of Miss Helen, who was one of the matriarchs here, and you guys just blessing her, right? She's getting special treatment, and I'm totally okay with that. Because I'm sure Miss Helen's is not the only house in town that could use a little help right now. And we've picked hers on purpose because she's family, right? And there are certain things that the family gets that the neighborhood doesn't. But the neighborhood's going to get as much love and care as we can do for them. Does this make sense a little bit? And I want to pull this out now into Scripture. And I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And we're going to have a whole teaching on this in the coming months. We're going to call it Devoted. But I want you to notice this Scripture with me. This is what Luke records. He says, They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Reverential awe came over everyone, and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. Here's my question. Parker, if you'll go back to that first slide, I think Ms. Sherry highlighted it for you. Here's my question. Who in the world is they? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever noticed that? They. Now think about it like this. You've got this nation of people who are Jewish people, and they are living, uh, a majority of them are living in an area called Jerusalem. That's where the temple is. And so everyone in Jerusalem, outside of the Romans who are there providing rule, are Jewish people. And then this guy, Jesus, God's one and only son, comes into the neighborhood, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus moved into Jerusalem, and he lived amongst his people, and he began to teach a higher calling, right? He began to teach and say to guys, hey, and women, come follow me. And all of a sudden, this guy, Jesus, this Jewish carpenter, God's one and only son, has a group of disciples following him, not just 12. He had 12 core disciples, but he had a whole lot of people that were following him. And all of a sudden, within this whole community of Jewish people, you have this small segment of Jesus followers. Okay, you with me? It's like right now we're in the city of Edgerton, 1,600 plus people. Are they all here this morning? Duh, right? There are some of us in Edgerton, at New City Edgerton Church right now, but we're in Edgerton. You have these Jesus followers in Jerusalem and all around them is the remaining Jewish community. And then Jesus goes to the cross. He is crucified. Three days later, the scriptures teach through the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. He resurrects. He walks the planet, seen by 500 people over the next 40 days. And then he ascends from before his disciples' eyes. They're up, you know, stargazing, skygazing, looking where Jesus went. Two angels appear beside them, men of Galilee. What are you looking for? This man, Jesus, whom you just saw leave, is going to come back the same way that he came. But you saw him go, he's going to come back the same way. And then these guys, along with the disciples, they begin to go into Acts chapter 2. And it says they were devoting themselves. They, in this scripture, are those who were following Jesus, not the entire country of Israel. Within this whole nation, you had a group of people. And that's what I want us to be. This is a hot topic in our country right now. And I'm not making political statements at all. I'm, I'm making new city statements. I'm making new city statements. Like, we're going to love our community, oh my gosh, like no other. We're going to do our very, very best to love every single way we can. 
But man, for those of us in this room who call themselves New City family, that means something. That means something. And I want to walk you through what that means this morning. If you want to turn that insert over, I just want to give you some ideas. Okay, I want to give you some thoughts for you to consider. And here's the first one that I want to start. I want to start with a question. Why would you consider yourself family at New City Church? Like, when you, How do you know if you are a part of this church family? Maybe you can write that down on your piece of paper. I'm not trying to trick you, but I'm just trying to get you to think. Like, how do you know? Like, what makes, what makes you in your mind say, yes, I belong to this church family? Or maybe you go, you know what, I don't yet. I'm just checking you guys out, wanting to know if I want to be a part of this family. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. Because this family's not for everybody. I get that, right? But what makes you think that you are? How do you know? And I'm going to pull the rug out from underneath some of us right away, okay? So hang on, hold on tight, okay? Hold on tight. And my goal is not to offend you, but I have the unique responsibility at New City Church as the guy who planted it, right? And I got strong opinions about this family because God called me here to start it. And I'm bold with them because I love this thing. I love this church. Fight for it. I cry for it. I pray for it. Do whatever I can for it, right? Here's the deal. Let me pull the rug out from underneath some of you. If you answer this question with the answer of because I go to church on Sundays, wrong answer. Wrong answer. Now, I know some of you are a part of families that you only wish you had to see them for an hour on Sunday, right? <laughs> right? Some of you have families that, man, if I could just see them for an hour on Sunday, oh, Jesus, that would be so fantastic, right? <laughs> but you don't, and neither do I. We see our families all the time. This is a small slice of the family that we call New City Church. This family is going to be helping at a house tomorrow night. This family is going to be leading Bible studies throughout the week. This family is going to be doing all kinds of things throughout the week. But on Sunday for an hour, we gather and we open our doors to the neighborhood. And a lot of the neighborhood comes in and we welcome them to the family. But when you decide, hey, I think I might consider this to be my church family. This is where I'm going to call home. This is what it means. I want to give you six things. Number one is this. In a family, in this family, <clears throat> we know each other's name. We know each other's name. So like if you're sitting here, and again, don't hear me griping. I'm pushing you forward to a certain thing. I'm, I'm letting you know the rules of this new city family because we want you to be a part of this family. We do. We know each other's names. So if you're like, I don't know anybody here. All right, let's fix that, right? Like if, if you have to say like, um, you know that guy that pre uh, preached on Sunday? He's bald and kind of chubby. Like we want to get past that kind of descriptors. No, my name's Matt. Nice to meet you, right? All right? We, we want to know people like, now I don't know everybody at Edgerton, right? I, I'm out here probably once every four or five weeks, but I know some of you, right? I know Leota and Mitch and Paul. I mean, I meet, I meet people. But for those of you who call this local expression of church or family, it's important that you know people's names. In my family, we even know nicknames. That's when you know you're really close. Does Pete have a nickname? Petra? Petra. All right, that's kind of scary, all right? Um, you know, in my house, uh, I have twin girls that are seven and a little boy, Luke, who's five. And Allie, Allie Joe, we call her Alley Cat. That's just what we call her, right? Christy, I call her Sassy Pants, but she gets mad when I call her that because she's sassy, so I don't really call her that very much. And uh, for whatever reason, when I see Luke a lot of times, I just say, hey, muscles. I don't know why. Luke is muscles, right? My wife, Jen, I call her uh, Hotness Everdeen. Kind of like that Hunger Games Katniss. I call her Hotness. She doesn't like it, but she's not here, so I can get, get away with it. Right? But we have nicknames, right? And uh, 
That's what, that's what a family does. And you know what? Nicknames are given, right? Because you have a relationship and you get to know things. And you get to know, the, 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 and it's, usually a nickname is a, a great way to make fun of somebody, right? But you can do that because it's family. It's not being mean, right? It's, it's family. Um, but we know each other's names. So you might say, Ward could say back there in the back, Matt, are you expecting me to know everybody's name at this church? Not at all. And absolutely. What do I mean by that? Kyle's on the worship team. He led a song this morning. I would say this. On whatever ministry you serve on, you should know everybody's name that you serve alongside. I'm not saying you know everybody's name of the church. But if you're on the worship arts team, you should be able to look back here and say, oh, that drummer, the guy that's real sweaty this morning because it's hot in that thing. No, his name's Matt, right? He has a name. And, and, but to know their names. Like, it's like you should be able to point, hey, what's that guy? Oh, that's John. Oh, that's Mark. Oh, that's whoever. But we know each other's names. That's just a basic rule of this family. Can I tell you, can I open my heart up and tell you something that's really, really important for me? It's really important for me that every one of you guys here, that you are known and that you know you're known. And here's what I mean. If I see Keith walk in the back door, who's playing bass this morning, and I think to myself, oh, there's Keith. That's cool that I know Keith's name, right? But when I say, hey, Keith, now Keith knows that I know Keith's name. Do you see the difference? And in a family, I want you to know that you are known and that you're cared for. I know that there's some of us here who we come in a little, eh, to church. Maybe you've been hurt in the past. Totally get that. Me too, okay? And so we'll let you sit on the back rows and in the corners and hide and all those sorts of things. But at some point, I want you to take that courageous step and go, hi, my name is, right? And meet somebody, right? And get to know people's names. Number two is this. We like this one. We eat together. That's what a family does. We eat together, right? How many of you guys like to eat? Now, some of you are bigger than you should be. You didn't raise your hand. Come on, we all like to eat, right? I'm raising, I'm raising my hand too, right? We like to eat. And the church family, if you were to go back and look in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, break bread. You know that's the code word in the Bible times for they ate food together. Communion. Jesus took a piece of bread. The idea is this. Every time from now on, you church people, when you get together for a meal and you're going to break bread and you're going to take drink, put me at the focus of that meal. Oh, you mean, Matt, I can have communion without a piece of wafer and a cup of juice? Yes, it's called putting Jesus first, always in all things. Right? We eat, we break bread together. That's what a family does. This is a big value for my wife. And um, um, when we got married, I realized, especially when we had kids, every day at the Miller house, at least six days a week, most times seven, our family is going to gather at the dinner table at about 5.30, 6 o'clock for a family meal. And a lot of times, if you were to sit there, you're like, I bet Pastor Matt's conversations are so spiritual. You would be so, so wrong, right? I have seven-year-old twins and a five-year-old boy whose favorite word is, um, can you say fart in church? I don't know, but that's his favorite word. And we're trying to break him up because I don't like that word at all, but he says it all the time. And um, his mom, he got it from his mom. His mom, he got it from me. That's the problem. They, they listen to me. They listen to dad. They're at the age where I can't say anything anymore because they repeat it. But, um, but at our table, we, that's where we just talk, and we hear about their day, and we laugh. And a lot of times, me and my wife, we look at each other, and we're like, we have no control of this family. We have no control. We're losing this battle. Any other parents feel that way? Welcome. I say, you're welcome here. We're, we're just all trying. We're all trying. But we eat together. Here's what that means. Are we going to eat together right now? No. But you've got six other days this week. As you get to know people's names, say, hey, let's go to Blazers and grab a burger. Or let's go somewhere and let's grab a bite to eat. And let's just get to know each other's stories. That's what a family does, right? We get to know each other. Number three, we share responsibilities. I love this one. We share responsibilities. 
One of the things I love teaching uh, 18-year-old kids as they graduate high school is I used to do, when I was a student pastor, I'd do this uh, class called uh, Senior Fit, Freshman in Training. And my first lesson that I would do with them is called this. Just because your driver's license says you're 18 doesn't mean you're an adult, right? And the talk that I would give them is an easy example. When you walk in your kitchen and you see the trash pouring over, do you look at that and go, oh, I guess mom and dad will get it? Or do you go, hey, this is my house. I'm not going to have to be told to take out the trash. I can clearly see that it needs to be done. So let me take responsibility for myself as an adult, right, and change the trash. It's the same thing in the church family. Like uh, Cody helps us keep this place clean on a weekly basis, but Cody's not on staff right now for us. And so like when I walked out in the lobby a while ago and saw a half-eaten donut from one of our little ones sitting on a chair, I didn't look around and go, who's going to get that sucker? No, I picked it up and threw it away. Why? Because this is my house. This is my family. If you're like, if you're ever walking around Edgerton on the lot or in the, in the, in the room and you're like, oh man, somebody knocked that coffee over, I wonder who should clean it up. I'm going to answer it for you. Grab your phone and take a selfie. <laughs> and then look at that picture that you just took. You're the one. Thank you for identifying a mess and cleaning it up for us. We are so grateful because that's what a family does. A family shares responsibilities. That's what we do. Um, let me give you a funny one. Uh, Thanksgiving is a common holiday, of course, in America. And um, what aggravates me, and Adam can probably help identify some of these people in our family, are the family members who simply show up and eat. They don't get there early to separate. The women laugh because it's all the men who do this, right? But um, um, it's the, it, they don't show up early to set the tables and chairs and set the table. They might put ice in the cup, maybe, if you can pull them away from the Detroit Lions getting beat, right? All right? And then they eat. They don't bring anything, right? And then as soon as it's over, they go outside and smoke and leave and leave all the cleanup to everyone else. That aggravates the snot out of me, Right? Listen, if you're like, man, I can't think of anybody that does that, it's probably you, right? <laughs> right? In this family, right, in this family, we share responsibility. Like, that's what you do. We share responsibility. Number four is we make sacrifice, okay? Now they're getting a little harder. We share sacrifice. What's that mean? Sacrifice is when you do something that you don't want to do for the benefit of someone else. Sacrifice is never fun. Like, some of you, when you heard 6.30 tomorrow night, you're like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. That's when Monday Night Raw's on. That's my wrestling show. And I'm going to miss wrestling if that's on. By the way, if you love wrestling, anybody love wrestling? Nobody? One person. Well, I love wrestling. Tonight at Shawnee, I'm hosting Battleground, the pay-per-view. You're welcome to come and hang out, right? Yes. I don't do Pokemon, but I do wrestling. So there you go, Kyle. <laughs> but we make sacrifices. And we, we give stuff that's important of us on the back burner so that we can take, like, some of you are not called in your heart to be a Kid City director. And it's a sacrifice for you to give an hour on Sunday to serve those little kids. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with you doing that. If in this life, if you only do the things that you want to do, you will do very few things. And in this church family, Miss Audra down there and all of our other leaders, they could really use your help. Man, I don't want to. When? I don't want to do a lot. I don't want to mow my yard, right? Sometimes I don't want to. Um, there's a lot of things we don't want to do, but we make sacrifices for the betterment of the family. Number five, we have spoken and unspoken expectations. Casey talked about City Walk, right? That's where we kind of pull back the curtain on some of our expectations. You can write this down. We have behaviors. Like, here's the thing. Um, if you're out today and your waitress or waiter makes you mad and you act a fool to that person, 
and they happen in the conversation and say, hey, where do you go to church? Tell them New Life. Do not say New City, all right? <laughs> Tell them another church. Tell them West Side, right? I have, I have friendships with both of those churches. That's why I say that. And Shawnee, I would say, tell me you go to Lenexa Baptist, right? Here's the thing. We have behaviors here that you're expected to be in the kingdom expression wherever you go. For some of you, this is going to be like, what? Today is the last day you ever go to church. You are the church. And everywhere you go, there Jesus be. This is a facility. This is not the church. We are the church. And so when you go somewhere today, man, be a kingdom expression. Don't be a jerk. Don't, don't be rude. Don't be hateful. That's how the world acts. And don't get mad at them. They're acting just like the world's supposed to. Be the example. Be the light of the world. Be salt. You should be salty. You should make people thirst for the gospel. Right? We have spoken and unspoken behaviors. We have values. These are written. We have seven values that, uh, that kind of drives what New City does. There's a sermon that we've done on that. I actually did a video sermon, I believe. I think I taught it from here, and we showed it in Shawnee. You can go online and watch our values. And how we have this, how trust is earned. And this is through our discipling process. Is this the only way that you have the trust? No, we serve alongside of each other. We go to Bible studies or city groups together. That's where we get to know one another. But in our discipling process, once that is completed, you have trust here. And we kind of know, yeah, I mean, I'll go to battle with this person because they're truly in with what we're doing. Number six, the last one is this. And I kind of said this earlier. When you're a part of this family, you get special treatment. I got no problem with that. I got zero problem. You know what? My kids get special treatment above your kids. You know why? they're my kids like I took my kids on vacation this summer I didn't take your kids I love your kids but they didn't go on vacation with me are you with me like I will tuck my little girls up for bed three times because they keep getting out of bed because they don't under every night our kids are completely surprised that they have to go to bed every night it's like they've never done it before it's like they've never done it before right what's going on we've never done this where do we go I'm like I'm gonna but they get special treatment right special treatment um in this family you're going to get that i have me and my wife were talking about this um i have zero problems with any of you guys who go through that list and say check 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 i have zero problems with you putting expectations on me i have zero problems with you putting expectations on casey with pete with audra with our other leaders like you should never have to call me and apologize first for the call Matt, sorry to interrupt you. You're not interrupting me. As a family member, you get to interrupt me anytime you want. Anytime. Anytime. You don't have to apologize for it because I know that we're in this together. Now, the neighborhood, they get to interrupt me sometimes because sometimes I'm with my family. Right? And my put my family first because I know that my family, the stronger we are, the better we're going to care for the neighborhood. Get that. When our family is strong, why? Matt, why are you so up on the family? And I'm not bad on the neighborhood, but I know that when we're stronger, when we're healthier, when we're in love more and we're taking care of our needs more as a family, we are going to serve our community in such greater strengths and greater ways. If you're not healthy here, whether it be financially or in your marriage or in your relationships or in your work, and then we say, hey, we're not going to worry about you because we need to go serve out there because those people are hurting, but yet you're bleeding to death on the way, what good is that? What good is that? So here's the thing. If you're here today and you're a part of this family, you call yourself family to this church and you have needs, you need to let your family leaders know. Does that mean we're going to be able to meet every need? Man, I sure hope so. Isn't that a weird, crazy, bold statement? Go back with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We're going to finish just the way we started. 
It says they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, meaning they gathered for worship, to eating food and to prayer. Great awe came over everyone, and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common. They began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Every day, they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of the people. And I want you to notice this last sentence. Because this family functioned well, notice what God does. And the Lord, who, notice this, and the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. Who was adding to their number? Was it Casey? Was it Mitch? Was it Matt? Was it the preacher man? No, it was the Lord. When the church is healthy and the church does what the church is supposed to do, God does something that only God can do, and he calls people to himself. I am confident, because I've seen this play out in every church I've been a part of, is that, man, Jesus will get people to do stuff that you never could. There are some of you in this room right now that if I would have told you three years ago that you were going to be sitting at church on a Sunday morning, you would have said, yeah, whatever, brother. Whatever. But here you be, right? And you even sang a worship song while ago. Oh, my gosh. Right? Because Jesus has got a hold of your life. And we're going to continue to allow the Lord to do that. Pete and the guys are going to do a song on the Holy Spirit, right? And um, I, I invite you to not only sing this song and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to minister to your life, but ask yourself, okay, I want to be a part of that family. Now what? Then just be a part of the family. Like It's not super difficult. Like If you're like, man, man, I really would love to be a part of what you talked about. Great. Then just do those things. There's not 20 push-ups required, right? It's just we're going to know each other's names. We're going to eat together. We're going to know each other's stories. We're going to serve together. We're going to make sacrifices. And man, we're going to, this family acts a certain way because our responsibility is to represent Jesus in the best possible light to our community. And that's why we gather and we remind each other of the things of the Lord. And then we go out these doors and we be the church. Amen. I want to pray. We're going to worship. And then we're going to have a time of giving back to God through our tithes, tithes and offerings. So would you guys join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much that you invited us to be a part of your family first. Thank you so much for that. We were lost without hope, but God. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for not waiting for us to get our act together before you invited us into your family. But Father, think that once you did invite us into your family, you set the bar and you said, this is how we do it. And Father, may we echo that at this church in Edgerton, Kansas. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the people who are already calling this place home. And may we honor you. And God, I pray for this next song, that we would just welcome the Holy Spirit as we depart and as it would continue to inspire us throughout our day. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you guys stand and let's worship uh, together.